We talk about the reality of the Trinity. I gave you the verses to look up. Look how all three of them operate. They are powerful enough to operate independently, and yet they all work in unison. Let us make man in our image. Us, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this outline, that's a good, see number two? Does everybody have that? Everybody have that, working with the Trinity, work within the Trinity? That's a good study for you at home to let you see how they will all work together inter interchangeably. But distinct from the Trinity, this is where we want to start. The Holy Spirit is not a subcategory. He's an invisible to us person of the Godhead, the essence, the ach, the, the wind of God. You'll see in letter A, I speak about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the things the Bible says to him, about him. But he's uh, rarely recognized and often viewed or treated as unequal. Letter B in number three, often misunderstood, mistaken, mislabeled, ignored, maligned, grieved. So we see that he's a person with emotions, with, with, with feelings, because you can't be grieved if you don't feel. So that part of the Lord, Jesus, is no longer on the earth today in his person, but in his presence through the Holy Spirit. He said, it's expedient that I go from you so that I can send the comforter, that he would abide with you forever. So the comforter, which comforts us, guides us, energizes us, leads us, and we don't even believe he exists. We've got to be careful with those that we respect that tell us, well, that, that was for back then, the Holy Spirit. That form of the Holy Spirit is not available today, or Jesus doesn't do that today. And, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to really start and give you the thing that he's not. So number three, verse C. Are we there? One and two is for your homework at home, but I just included it together. Number three, part C. When you're trying to determine if something is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer of the wor or the world, he never speaks of himself. And his focus and service is unto Christ the Lord, John 16, 12. He's always a type in the Old Testament of an unnamed servant. Uh, like when in the book of Ruth, it was the unnamed servant that introduced Ruth to Boaz. And Genesis 24, Abram's unnamed servant who was commissioned to get a bride for his son. Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. He will receive of mine and show it unto you. But he will not speak of himself. Now li listen to old Pastor John. A lot that goes for, wow, God was really working. If it drew attention to the work primarily, it was not the work of the Holy Spirit. If, 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 if the drawing was to the miracle. Now, you can't mistake a miracle. When blind eyes are open, so you see the miracle. This is how the last day church right before the time of the rapture and right after the rapture, those that are left that were not eagerly anticipating and longing for his appearance, this is how they're deceived. They mistake power 
for divine power that originates with God. How do I know that miracle wasn't the work of the Holy Spirit? Because in the room, if we lay hands on someone that can't hear or can't see or God heals someone of cancer, the miracle fades away and the appreciation and the recognition of Christ, the healer and the Lord, comes in the room. And the Holy Spirit speaks of him. He points to him. The miracle is toned down. The guy says, get, get up. Don't worship me. I'm just a man like you. It's Christ. It's Christ. So the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to magnify Christ in everything to where he's your, he's your default setting when your computer gets all messed up. Would you like to go back to your default settings? Yes. Know Christ. Love Christ. Serve Christ. Uh, in, uh, follow after Christ. Surrender to Christ. Represent Christ. Honor Christ. That's the default setting. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you were the devil, wouldn't you want to talk you out? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to talk believers out of the need for, the necessity of, and how reliant you have to be on him? Because if I can minimize his role or redraw the lines of what he's actually doing, the Holy Spirit is not in a show. He's not trying to get a superstar preacher on a big stage, blowing on people and hitting them with a, a coat and them falling out and all. That's not what he does. Let me tell you how powerful the Holy Spirit is. And didn't need an audience. When the world was in absolute chaos and the earth was without form and void, by himself, working in agreement, hovered over the face of the orders and brought order out of chaos. And looked at the impossible nature of the earth. And so see, when I'm looking at my life and I realize I ain't got it so bad. I've got it all over Genesis chapter 1. And if the Lord can do that there, there's a reliance on him and his power. And he never stood back, folded his arms and said, look what I've done. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Your celebrity pastor, if at the end you think, if you even have the thought... Wow, he's amazing. The Holy Spirit's not at work. I, 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 now, you could be in error, and, but the Holy Spirit's not at work. When the Holy Spirit is authorizing and energizing ministry before you or in you, all eyes are on Jesus. The Bible said he will not speak of himself, but he'll glorify, he'll glorify me. He'll glorify me. He'll focus on me. Okay. So, the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to letter E. This is really where we begin here. 20 minutes to get to where we begin, but it's good. We're on time. We're on schedule. Number three, letter E. Are you there? Jay, they said there's no E. Guys, I, I, I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make excuses for myself. Mm, hold on. Hold on, people. Jesus paid it all. Hold on. 
It's supposed to be printed for you. Hold on. Oh, I, I got you. Oh, my goodness. Now we're going to have to authenticate everybody. <laughs> Y'all, this, those of you visiting say, you know what? That guy was confused, but it was good. I felt the Lord. <laughs> Y'all pray for him. He's got issues, but. Oh, come on. I am a reflection of your life. I, I'm trying to get the outline for. Can I just preach? Okay. Now, y'all, I prepared. I was ready. Golly! Stop it! I, I, I'm just going back to my Bible. I'm just going to the Bible. That's all I'm doing. All right. Three prepositions used to describe our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you just just write these down, you can look at the. That's why I don't give y'all outlines. Write your own notes. <laughs> Aggravate me to death. Give me mics that don't work and people don't work and my do might be tainted. All right. Do you see? It says our relation to and with Him. Whatever number that. Yeah, well, that's all you have. Well, that's... Okay, well, I took something out of my notes before I wrote your outline. You should know that. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Letter C. Okay. Which is my E. Anyway, our relationship to and with Him. Three prepositions used to describe our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you're confused on this, this is a foundational truth. It may sound simple to you, but most Christians are off one. And I just gave you an illustration. If you're off one, everything else is off that follows. And all of my people that are teachers and school teachers, they, oh, bless his heart. I do that all the time. I give the kids their stuff. Okay. Number one, the word para, the Holy Spirit with you. The Holy Spirit works with us to convict us of sin, of sin and to lead us back to Christ. In, E-N, the Holy Spirit in you. Once we've been born again, the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. Epe, the Holy Spirit upon you for supernatural power, gifting and enabling. And I left you those verses. Okay, these are not the same. They're not the same. Upon, in, and with you. Before you were saved and you had a praying grandmother, the Holy Spirit was with you, working on you, softening your heart. When you were saved, the Holy Spirit was deposited within you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is upon you. I mean, let, let's go to the scriptures now together to look. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Hopefully I got that right. Can't read. Can't say Corinthians 1. Are you there? Am I on the screen? Glory. All right. Do you see it? 
someone stand real loud and read verse 21 and 22 of 2 Corinthians 1. What? All right, I'll just read it. Y'all ain't helping me at all. You Okay, hold on. Who established you? The Father, the Son, or the Spirit? Okay. Go ahead. Who, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? Okay, now let's pause right there. And I want to talk to you about sealing us. Now, can you see my cursor behind me? Okay, I'm going to double click on the word sealed, see if it will do anything for us here. Okay, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit was working on you. You were born again, he was deposited within you, and you were sealed with the earnest of the Spirit. Let me tell you what that sealing looks like. People that do not necessarily adhere to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the supernatural dynamic. I received the Spirit when I was saved. Of course you did. The earnest of the Spirit. This earnest marks you, it identifies you, it authenticates you. If you were to take an envelope and close it and pour wax on it and take the ring of a king or a noble person and put it on there and you receive it in the mail um, or through carrier, especially in olden days, you would realize this is from the king of England. How do you know? This is his seal. So God has marked you with something that cannot be duplicated. It is of his essence, and it is inside of you. You're marked. Isn't it funny, the devil, the anti-Christ, the devil, his anti-Christ, his false prophets, always mimicking. To buy and sell, you have to have a mark. You have to be marked. You have to be identified. And the Christian is not marked on the outside. The Christian is marked on the inside. So, Let's say I have um, a bunch of remote control cars here. There are five of them, and I've got one control car. And I spread out the five, and all the guys are betting on which one is going to go. He goes, and, you know, if I did my batteries right, it'll work. Y'all get that later. And so you do the little turn it on, and you do the handles, and one of them goes, and just takes off. Now, the other four are pretty. As a matter of fact, they're the same brand, same make, same model, different colors. They're all charged, battery up. Why is that one moving? Because the designer put within that car components that were equivalent to and dialogued with the components in the controller. He didn't wire me. He put himself inside of me. So I not only hear him talking to me, I hear his thoughts in me. The Holy Spirit. For Jesus to say, have you ever read this and felt almost like, hear me out, almost like he was wrong. He said, it's important that I leave. He told his disciples, I said, well, there's no, nothing, ain't no reason you should leave us. He said, mm -hmm. if I've got Jesus in front of me and I can see him 
touch him, hold him, embrace him, lean upon his chest like John did. Can you imagine that? For him to say, it's way better for you if I get out of here. Now watch. We don't believe that. I don't care if you're Pentecostal or Assembly God or Baptist or Methodist. I don't care. We don't believe that. We believe, oh, if I could just see him and look upon his face. This is what I'm talking about. The devil has gutted us from the revelation of the person and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You are marked, sealed with the earnest of the Spirit. You have the witness of the Holy Spirit. You have an assurance that comes not from your own psyche, but from God himself. You are mine. You are mine. You didn't choose me. I chose you. When I read, see, God wants us to be at a place when we read the word, we see ourselves in it, the good and the bad. We see ourselves as the object of his love. And we, when I read, he said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly of your mama, I knew you. Stop. Time out. Stop. Stop it. Before my mama and daddy came together, you knew me. Yes. That knowledge is too wonderful for me, Lord. And I formed you. And I am going to walk with you in such an intimacy. Watch. And the Holy Spirit, all along the way, imagine having uh, not an artificial intelligence, a DI, a divine intelligence that can't ever be wrong. And him say, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's, that's not Jesus. And we don't walk in discernment because we don't rely on the Holy Spirit. We walk in natu with natural eyes and natural observations and we make natural mistakes. So you have the earnest of the Spirit. You have the witness of the Spirit. I don't ever remember asking anybody, am I saved? In my life. Am I loved? Well, I just don't believe I'm loved. Well, are you born again? Do you? What do you mean? Well, he told you he loves you. And isn't the Holy Spirit pointing you to intimacy with Jesus? This is the missing dynamic. This is how many people can stand in the last day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty wonderful works? And him say, I don't even know you. Because if, if, you were born again, the Holy Spirit would have produced these things in you. So the sealing us, he's given us the earnest, which is a deposit. It's a down payment. When we get to heaven, it, if you try to go into Sam's Club, you got your Sam's card that gets you in and proves you're you know, a person. Now I'm going to go a step deeper. My daddy died when I was 11. I'm 61. So 50 years ago, he was put in the ground at Memorial Park. If you dug him up, and whatever was left of bones or residue or DNA, and you took a swab out of me and you took a swab out of that and put it up, they would tell you with 99.99% accuracy, that is Roger Wood's son, Roger and Sandra's son. Okay. I have his DNA in me. Watch this. God said, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I have put within me, I have put who I am within you. 
And the mark of the believer is that I have been marked in a divine way. It doesn't show up in ultraviolet light. It shows up in heaven's light. So I have the witness. I have the earnest, the deposit, which is a promise to fulfill the redemption. And that means, see, I'm already redeemed, but the fulfilling of it is the glorified body. And corruption puts on incorruption. And mortality puts on immortality. So there's the witness of the Spirit, okay? The earnest of the Spirit. When you are saved, Brother John, I thought when I got saved, I received the Spirit. You did. A measure of it for a reason. Now here, if you're writing notes, take this down. The earnest of the Spirit, the witness of the Spirit, was given for me. It's not for your wife or your husband or your kinfolk or your, your pastor. It is for you. Okay? Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. I'm glad them kids turn that music down over there. Y'all remember when you was young? Turn it up, turn it up. And when you're old, for the love of God, turn it down, turn it down. All right. I don't need no Holy Spirit. I got all the Holy Spirit I needed at salvation. Humbly, I ask you, where, where'd, you, where'd you get that from? Christ didn't say that. Let's go to the scriptures. So here's John the Baptist pointing to Jesus. All right, do you see Matthew 3, 11? Is it on the screen behind me here? Working like a charm. John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. So let's, let's look at this word. Baptize. Y'all see on the right side? To make whelmed. To overwhelm. So, I indeed baptize. Immerse. Immersion. And Jesus was baptized. He came into and straightway out of the, out of the water. John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh, who's mightier than I, that's Jesus. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, that's Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All right. This is one of the main parts of contention. And for the life of me, except for the work of the enemy, I don't understand it. How can marking someone, sealing someone, be confused with immersion. He says the same thing. No, if it was the same thing, he would have said the same thing. Now this is not Pentecostal. I'm not, I'm not giving you Pentecostal theology. I'm giving you sitting at home with my Bible in my lap on the floor. Baptism means to make whelmed. So the Father gives me the earnest of the Spirit. Now this is where it's tender and beautiful. And in my walk with the Lord, he, in the same way, there are people in this congregation that I had the opportunity to baptize you in this pool. I did it. I took you, and I said, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I take you in and whelm and bring you out symbolic of this new life that you have in Christ. In the spiritual realm, Christ takes us who have already been sealed 
marked, identified, and given the deposit. He takes that person and he whelms them in the Holy Spirit. And they are soaked, saturated. That measure, you receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not in you. See the difference? Upon you and in you? Two totally different. Why is that measure of spirit given to you? For them. The witness and the earnest of the spirit is given to me. For me. So I'll know. So I'll have a voice to hear. So I'll be able to attach his works in my life. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for others. That I might have power in my prayer. That I might have power in my hands. Paul said, I don't want to come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I want to come to you with the demonstration of the spirit and power of God, that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want something in my hands. How is it that someone uneducated, <clears throat> with no training, or uh, pastors, but when they preach at different local churches, it can be a small church, there's something about them that you, you, you feel the Lord's witness and power in that. And this other guy articulated his sermon with great clarity and no hiccups and no sound stuff. But it wasn't the same. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I would rather you think this of me and God move in my preaching and my teaching. And it's the vessel. It's, the vessel has to be sealed but it also has to be immersed. It has to be baptized. Now, let, let's reason through this. I remember when I first got saved. Uh, slow down, clock, slow down. I remember when I first got saved, and I was a Damascus Road, light shine from heaven, knock you off the donkey. I lived like hell all my teen years and 20 years. When I got saved, I ran so far into God, I stuck out the other end. I, I was quit everything overnight with no gradual sanctification burn all the books threw away all the albums yeah i know some of y'all don't know what that is I, I threw them away got rid of cassettes got rid of eight all got rid of everything and ran in and just as far as i could into the lord and i sat in the floor of my apartment where it says uh that everyone that asketh receiveth and see we teach that about getting your prayers answered that's not the context of that verse watch this Everyone that asketh receiveth. And to him that seeketh he shall find, and the one that knocketh it shall be opened. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Lord give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I thought I already had the Holy Spirit, the earnest, and the witness. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, this was this was so humbling for me. I sat in that floor, I'd been a Christian, I'd been surrendered as an adult for about a week and a half. I was saved when I was a little boy, but from 11 to 24, I was horrible. And um, I sat on the floor and I said, I've been filled with the devil all my life. And Lord, I'm, you know, my brother thinks that this is not available today. They're all in church the whole time, so that's the only gauge I have to go on, you know. They don't believe this is available. My mom and dad surely did. I said, but Lord, I want... And I pointed in the Bible. I said, I want this. And would you baptize me, Lord? Everyone 
then asketh, receiveth. We're going to get to the gifts and the tongues and all of that later. But we get hung up because we try to make our experience fit someone's explanation instead of leaving that to God. The first people that ever heard, the disciples ever heard praying tongues was them. So I had, you know, I knew enough to where the Bible says it was, it was like a stammering lip. And it's an unknown tongue. But the beautiful, see, here's how I knew it was the work of the Lord. I wasn't trying to be gifted. I was trying to receive from his hands. You see, you want me to have this? Yeah. yeah I'll be, no, I'm not being baptized. I don't, I don't believe in that. Now, let's apply our reason and our logic, which has done so much for us in our secular world, in our education. No, I mean, we, we rely on it, okay? Jesus Christ, the same, what? Jesus Christ, the same. Okay, doesn't change. So, he was the great, well, he was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Just play along with me. Is he still the lamb? Okay. He was born of a virgin. Was he still sinless, born of a virgin? Yes. Okay. The prophet, the priest, the king. Yes. Melchizedek. Yes. The, the Lord. Yes. The creator of all things. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Glory of the only begotten of God. Full of grace and full of truth. He, all things were made by him, and nothing was made that he didn't make. Still the creator? Does he still govern all things by the word of his power? Is he still the returning king that's going to come in such resplendent glory that when he, his foot touches the Mount of Olives, it's going to split in half, and he's going to rule the world in righteousness with a rod of iron for a thousand years. He died as the lamb, but he's coming back as the lion. Same guy, right? <clears throat> Healer, is he still the healer? So still the king, prophet, priest, sacrifice, son of God, baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, no, he don't do that no more. Now, before you get mad at me, let's just follow the logic. No, he don't do that anymore. That was for back then. The Bible says, and this promise is unto you and to your children and your children's children and all who are afar off as many as the Lord God should call. I ain't trying to get you to join the Assemblies of God. Some of y'all been here 10 years. You didn't know we had an Assembly of God church. Uh, listen, I'm not embarrassed at all. I believe the Assemblies of God are the greatest evangelistic force on the face of the earth. But that, that's, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to do. It's, it's the truth. It's the love of the truth. And if, if, if the truth contradicts grandpa or granny or mama or daddy, well, then they were just wrong. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from, with a separate purpose from, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. Two totally different things. Now, when I ask you, are you saved? You say, yes. Well, that, that's the work of God. When I ask you, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's the work of God. You either are or aren't. You can be fully saved and, and, and in some cases surrendered to, to some degree. And not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Probably because 
you didn't ask. Everyone that asketh receiveth. All right, I want to touch on one thing before I finish. Well, let, let me get this. Sorry. So, sealing us is the work of the Father. Baptizing us is the work of the Son. So, baptize, immerse, uh, to whelm. We're in a, are we in agreement that that's different than sealing? Okay, so the Father seals us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. It can't be the same thing because there's two parts of the Godhead operating at different times doing different things. They're not the same. And the only way you can hold to them, you know, would be, well, I just don't believe Jesus does that anymore. That, then that was available for the early disciples. You think the world was crazy then. If we ever needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we need it now. Now, if you were the devil and you could turn off a generation, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just asking. You could turn off a 40-year generation to the thing they needed most, to the thing they needed most to live a victorious, effective, faithful, powerful Christian life is to devalue and misrepresent the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Imagine the number, and I'm not saying everybody involved in it, but Christian television did on this generation. And the foolishness that they witnessed. And someone's barking like a chicken on the floor. And a man of God that reaches 50, 60,000 people in an auditorium says, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Can't be, because Jesus is not the focus. Can't be. Jesus is not the center. Can't be. God's not the author of confusion. Can't be. And because we didn't have the leaders there with the courage or the character to stand up, the Holy Spirit has been deemed a circus or a sideshow. I used to, <clears throat> excuse me, look for churches when I was on vacation and go to visit uh, places, and I was almost always disappointed. I walked in one there's a little church plant, and I wanted to support, you know, showed up, and the guy had a towel, and people walked in. I don't know exactly. It, it was bizarre. So we're not teaching. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We ain't teaching, but we're demonstrating. So, so they, come on, come on. And as they come to him, this end of the towel, he'd hit them with that end or something, and they'd fall out. And then he had a Bible. They were, it's on it. It's on it. It's on it. And they would all run to the front. He'd hit them with the Bible. I'm thinking, what meaneth this? What source of witchcraft? What kind of sorcery is this? No, what I felt was that man's going to answer to God for the bewitching of these that do not know better, little lambs that didn't know better. There's a part of me. This is how your pastor's wired. I wanted to walk up there and let him hit me just as hard with that Bible. And you know, like, bam! And go, idiot. That's, that's a part of me. Well, that's just not love. No, what's not love is damning the next decade of that person's life because they don't know what the work of the Holy Spirit looks like in their life. I'm not a distributor. And then he said, had the Bible. And somebody was running, he goes, it's gone. Never mind. It's gone. What the Lord was doing. Listen, you. How many of you have seen this kind of foolishness? What I'm talking. Okay. 
so if the devil is the strategist that we say he is, preparing the world to usher into a one faith, one world religion, one, one commerce, one government, what, he, what, could he val- what would he value more than the world having no idea about the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? What salvation really is what the earnest of the Spirit is, what the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, okay? And then the filling of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Ephesians 5, 18. Bring your Bibles with you each week. Just a minute. Not another typo. Couldn't be. Don't you laugh. It's coming your street. Coming up your street. Hold on. Ephesians 5.18. That's what it says. All right. Let's go to verse 17. Or 16. You ready? You see it in redeeming the time? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I just, don't, I just don't know if it's the will of the Lord for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine. Oh, well, I ought to preach on that every now and then. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? What's the will of the Lord for the believer? To be filled with the Spirit. Now, the earnest of the Spirit is given by God. The baptism of the Spirit is done and exercised by Jesus. The filling is the Holy Spirit working in response to the believer. Okay? You see where it says, but be filled with the Spirit? Now, if we're going to use one standard, we got to use it. Whether it makes the Pentecostal people happy or not, or the Baptist folk happy or not. We can't, we, we can't go that way. Okay? Let's look at, it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That word, <clears throat> let's see, pleru means to level up, to be filled with the Spirit. How? Somebody read verse 19 loud for me. One more verse. So here's the Lord saying, don't be drunk with wine, wherein it excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks and making melody in your heart with God. There is a filling that rests on you. The baptism rests on Jesus. But the, the, the walking in the fullness rest on you. It's like having an open well that you can level up through what you listen to, the ear gate, what you focus on, your mind, the eye gate, what you read. And, and you, you are responsible for the fullness of the Spirit in your heart. So who's responsible for the earnest of the Spirit? 
Father. Who's responsible for the baptism of the Spirit? The Son. Who's responsible for being filled with the Spirit? You. Well, my church don't believe in that. You ain't got to believe in it. I can drink myself. I can speak to myself of the goodness of God. I can get in my car and turn it on and say, thank you, Lord, for another day. And I don't mean hype. I recognize you as going before me, the author and finisher of my faith. Can't none stand before you. There was none like you. There's never going to be none after you. You're the final say in my life. God, I picture myself in the court of heaven, and you are at the throne room with the gavel, and there is no appellate court. You rule and super rule in my life. By the time I get out of the car, I'm ready to have a spell, a Pentecostal spell. What has happened? Level up. You need to write that down. Level up. Fill up yourself. Speak to yourself. Sometimes you got to listen to somebody with some sense. Speak to yourself. And psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. All right, we're just going to get started just a little bit in the gifts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. So we're clear. And this, again, not apologizing. I just want you to know it's not like a sermon. When you teach, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, and your pastor loves to teach. Stephen, would you see if that water's left over from this morning? I don't mind drinking old, but uh, uh, just parts just a little bit. Do y'all see this now? 2 Corinthians 12. Are you there? First. All right. Kelly, can you see that? Can you read? It's turning. Thank you, sir. 11, just turn and read towards there. Well, you can't if you do that, can you? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Okay, pause. I'm going to have to jump in. Let me tell you what ignorant is. When you hear somebody, you're ignorant. That's an insult. That does. You can be brilliant and ignorant at the same time. If I, I, I think I'm a pretty sharp guy. I'm pretty smart. I go into a hospital room and it goes beep. In that moment, my ignorance is on display. And a little girl that walks in, she's nine. She walks in with her little thing around her neck. She goes, doot, 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 and it cuts off. Ignorant means no one's taught you. Now, I don't want you ignorant about spiritual gifts. Why would God pin that? Because most people are ignorant about spiritual gifts. They've been blocked out or mistaught or misinformed are just not shared with. It's not that they don't love the Lord. They've just not been taught. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. Verse 2. How many is it given to? 
So if you are a born-again believer, the Bible says that you have been given at least one of the power gifts is an evidence. And you say, well, I don't even know, which means that we've not been operating it. He gives to every man. Okay, Kelly. Okay, look at uh, 4C, unless I mess that part of your outline up. And I will do better next week. They are given to every man. The manifest, let's just jump to C. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. The gifts of the Spirit, the, 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 the supernatural gifts, they're, your pastors, this is my opinion, okay, that there are nine primary. There might be gifts that we've not categorized, but the nine that are revealed, we know of, okay? Revelational gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Power gifts, faith, miracles, gifts of healing. Vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecies. These manifestations are given to every man. You need to mark that down in your Bible because that's foundational. You have at least one, maybe more, of these supernatural gifts that are given to you. We'll study about this later, if the Lord allows, next week. To profit with all. It's for the profit of the body. It's the profit of someone else. The earnest and the, 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 the witness of the Spirit is for your profit. But these power gifts are for their profit. Okay? They are given to every believer without exception or exclusion. They are given without regard to race, gender, history, individual makeup, or other giftings. They are not a reward. They're not a sign of approval. They're not a product of favoritism, maturity, or effort. This is where Christians struggle. I just don't see how the Lord could be using them all of that and they're mean. Or they're, she's got a sharp tongue and talking about gifts and praying in tongues. Well, because the Bible tells you he gives it to them. See, it's not an endorsement. It's a grace. It's, a, it's, it's an expression of God in a frail earthen vessel. So when I, when I, when I see that in the scripture, I understand well, you say, well, how can they do it? Because they're flawed. But the gift is given to every man. When you say every man, that includes crazy folk. That includes mean people. That includes us. Right? Okay. They're all described, letter B, backing up to letter B, as manifestations of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given. We emphasize the gift. I got the gift of blank. But the Lord emphasizes it's a manifestation of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, watch, doing something through the life of the believer 
for the glory of Jesus Christ. You need to write that down. That's what the gifts are. The Holy Spirit distributing, manifesting through you something divine for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, it may show up as prophecy or miracles or faith, but if our, if our compass is set correctly, we'll know that the manifestation of the Spirit is, that's given to all is for the glory of Jesus Christ. This, listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the Holy Spirit in the man. I want you all to all track with me. I'll make sure you're with me. Some are still writing. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence in the man. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. That's the evidence of what? The fruit of the... Okay. Is that effort? Or does he just grow that in the life of the believer? Come on. It just grows. Okay, it's the evidence. Now watch. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence in the man. The gifts of the Spirit are evidenced by the man. Now that's not semantics. That means the Lord could use me in a moment. Flaws and all. The, the fruit of the Spirit is cyclical and seasonal and a process. The gifts of the Spirit can be in a moment's time. The gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are more about the moment than the man. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit allow the, Holy, the invisible Holy Spirit to make visible in this realm through divine unlearned expressions coming from the body and the voice of born again believers. They are given to every man. I told you they're not a reward, a sign of approval. Now, here's a hinge point. For our first lesson, you could say, you know, Sunday night at the chapels, the first lesson in our study, this, all of that leads to this one point. Look at your verse, uh, well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14.1. I'll just let you read it there. That way we're not confused. And you might have to do your own outline. That's messed me up, that outline thing. I like teaching like a, fat man through a barbed wire fence here a point there a point as he crawls through <laughs> all right y'all ready for the, when i say hinge pin you know that if this don't work everything's off okay how many of you come from a pentecostal charismatic background and that you say that's pretty much the vein of my theology how many of you are outside of that okay fair enough now Listen, he never asked me to make Pentecostals. I, this is how I believe it. We're just going to study the scripture. And when I'm wrong, listen, when you love the truth, you're the first one to say, I was wrong there. I'm, I ain't got a, 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 a track record that I'm supposed to uphold. I, I'm trying to learn the truth. I want to know the truth and love the truth. If Christ is the truth, I want to know it and I want to love it. Now look at this. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow after charity, or your Bible may say love, and desire spiritual gifts. To yourself, do you desire spiritual gifts? Some would say, well, no, because I don't believe they're for today. Okay, then in your own journal, write that down. But he said, desire them. 
Why would he say, but rather that you may prophesy? To the person that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they see that as a minimizing of the gifts. Uh, like, But rather that you prophesy. The gifts aren't that important. It's more important to prophesy. Well, if in that contextual way of thinking, then we're minimizing love too, right? He said, follow after love and charity and desire spiritual gifts rather that you may prophesy. What's, what's the context of the gifts? With all the gifts that the Holy Spirit uses, when I foretell and foretell the word of God, more people are edified. That's the rather. It's not that the gift is more important. It's that if the gifts are given for others, the more people I expose to the gift, the more edification there is, which brings glory to Christ. One of the reasons we're not spirit-filled is because we don't desire to be. One of the reasons we're not walking in the fullness of spirit is we don't desire to be or don't believe that that's available. Or one of the reasons we don't operate in spiritual gifts. Someone asked me, it happens every now and then, why aren't there more gifts of the spirit in your church? I said, ask God. I, but if I had to guess, many people don't believe or they don't desire gifts or what we talked about this morning, they're so hung up on what people think that they would never risk the vulnerability to step out and operate in one of them. They're anything but natural. Let me pause here and uh, let me cover this one thing and then we're just going to just play some instrumental music for us to think through this part here. You know, for all of us, our journey, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to believe. We're searching the scriptures together. But Lord, is this something you desire for me? Is this, is it, is it different, man? See, I can get up and reason with you out of the scripture, but the power gifts are different. They're for the moment. They're, they're, they bring glory to Christ. I, I, I just want to give you one. Occasionally, more so when I travel, the Lord will, the Holy Spirit will use a gift of word of knowledge. Not so much in my local church. I've been here 29 years. I know all your stuff anyway. It's like, you know, very rarely does it operate at home, but if I travel. So I'm preaching in uh, Augusta, Georgia. I'm filling in at a Baptist church. And when I tell you Baptist, these was Mo Better Baptist. Mo down the line, you know. Y'all laughed at my outline, but theirs was flawless. 11 o'clock, to praise him from whom all blessing and it ended. Bang, it was it was sharp. So I get done preaching, a couple people got saved. I'm done, you know, I'm like, I turned it over, brother, if you'd come to close. And he walks up, Deacon walks up and he nods to the lady on the piano. Just as I am. And they went through all three verse, or first, second, and fourth verse, and you know, sang it. And I'm thinking, hymn of invitation, I've already invited people. We've prayed for people, but it was in the bulletin. I did I let, you know, you, hey, order in this house. I, I, I just, this is how Baptist we were, okay? Nothing wrong with it. I'm just letting you have the idea, you know. I was like, I felt like that guy, which one of these does not belong? Which one of these is not like the other? So, 
I get done, and I asked him. He comes up and sings the hymn of invitation, and I'm still on the stage because back then they still had the big chairs, you know, because, as you know, there's laity, you, and there's quasi-deity, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, I just, that's why I, I like sitting down here. So we're done with it, you know, we're done at the end of the service, and we're about to, tell, you know, do the doxology. And just as clear as a bell, it's hard to explain what the gifts of the Spirit feel like in the moment. But if I had to just tell you off the cuff, it's like an uninvited, unexpected knowing that you have to step out on in faith. Was it me? Was it God? Well, we're going to find out. So I'm standing there, and we just, you know, led people to Jesus. They've prayed. Hymn of invitation came. Nobody else came. So I'm thinking, must have did a good job. Ain't nobody else getting saved. We get done, and just as clear as a bell, I said, ma'am, right, right near. And it was like second to the last row in my aisle seat. I said, I'm not a prophet. I just, I just saw you in my mind's eye, and I looked up, and here you are. And I just feel I'm supposed to tell you that the thing that you're worried about tomorrow morning, the Lord wants you to know he's taking care of this. She screamed like somebody shot her. Bam! She, ah! Now, can you imagine how this went over in this Baptist church? She runs to the aisle. Ain't nobody ran in that church since the Korean War. Ain't no, nobody running. And it's, now, I'm not doing this Pentecostal foolishness. I'm just talking to her like I talked to you. And I said, and the Lord says he's taking care. I said, and I just believe that's him. I just offer that to you. She runs down. All her family runs down. And, you know, Baptist folks, they, when they eat, when they meet, they eat. When they pray, everybody that's related comes down. There's like 30 people down here praying. And so I said, uh, all right, the rest of y'all dismissed. God bless you. And <laughs> my deacon's standing there. He goes. And he looks. They're praying. No one leaves. He walks over to me. He goes, how'd you do that? I said, do what? He said, that. How'd you know? I said, no. And I wasn't being funny. I know you think I'm trying to cut it. I'm not. I said, know what? He goes, how did you know about her? I, I don't know. I just felt that was what it was. I was supposed to say, she's going on in for exploratory cancer surgery tomorrow morning. And I said, oh, now I'm thinking I'm either going to be made out to be a liar, you know, this vulnerable part, or the Lord, anyway. So uh, we find out that they go in, and this was, oh, great day before I pioneered the church. It's 30 years ago. There's nothing there. It's gone. They asked to meet with me because I'm doing like an unofficial interim. And a group of these good men, godly men, love the Lord. They said, how'd you do that? I said, I, I don't know. What is that? And I explained to them that it was the gifts of the Spirit. I said, it's a word of knowledge. So here's God who knows every detail about everything before the world started. Takes one reality, drops it in my little finite head, and says, tell her tomorrow morning it's going to be okay. That's a word of knowledge. It's not based on observance. It's not like the guy that sees the woman get out of a Ford Pinto with nine kids. Ah, perceive that you're struggling with poverty. That, that stupid <laughs> foolery business. So I'm in the room, and he said, he said, so how did you do that? And I said, well, I, I, I don't know. And he said, listen, even in the unbelieving, he said, do it again. Do you know there's a cry in the heart of every believer? Do it again, Lord. You, use me. 
show me. God, there's, our problems are bigger than I can. I, Holy Spirit, use these gifts to where I can encourage, help. Lord, I'm asking, see, what if our first night together we made a turning point? I'm not abandoning all that I've been taught in my parents and grandparents. I want everything you have for me and nothing you don't want me to have. How, how do you miss it there? Everything you want me to have. And nothing you don't want me to have. And what would happen in your spiritual life if the number one prayer you prayed in January of this year was, Lord, give me the gifts of your spirit that would bring you the greatest glory. The greatest glory. I think we're about to take a journey together. We're going to get into all of them. We're going to explain what they mean, the responsibilities of them, the order in which they operate, the purpose the penalty for those that operate falsely. And it's not to jockey. You know, some Pentecostal churches are just so far out there. It's a, you know, well, I have tongues. It's like poker. Well, I'll see your tongues and raise your interpretation of tongues. It's, that's, not, that's not what it is. It's if the Holy Spirit's operating in us, then one person has a word. One person has, listen, there's people in this room, you don't even use your gifts and you have, you have the gifts of miracles that you, you can just put your hand on somebody and pray. And it changed every dynamic of a situation. Not because you are good, because the Holy Spirit is operating severally as he wills through you. It's not something you can just whip out and do when you want to, but it follows in your hands. It follows in your prayers. What if we change this thing into the gifts of the Spirit were not so we could boast but that he could be made known. Amen? Come on, just for a few minutes, give us time to reflect on this. Some would journal, some would want to, you know, sit and pray. Our, our elders, if you would come down here to the front. Um, we also have communion. Guys, take it your speed and your pleasure. Listen, believers, examine yourself before you take there are some services your pastor don't take communion. I said, I'm not right with you. I'm, I'm, that don't mean you don't love him. It means I'm going to discern. I'm not going to treat this as some small thing. But the goal is to get everything right, to repent and to be cleansed from before you take. But communion's on each side, and we're going to have an elder at each side. And if you desire prayer for yourself and the rest of us, could we fit in five or eight minutes of quiet in our soul and let the, see what the Lord wants to do? You could be filled in your chair. And final thought before we start this. I had a buddy of mine, and I think the Lord loves things like this. It shows how, hu like how human all our mistakes are. He got filled with the Holy Spirit feeding chickens. I I'm not making light of it. He was doing his chores. And Lord, I just love you. I just, I just, and all of a sudden, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he started speaking in tongues. He didn't know what it was. And he come inside and his wife goes, hey, baby. And he, he talked. Now, he, the Lord doesn't make him do it like a robot. He just starts talking in tongues. He come in one door. She shot him out the other door. She locked the doors. But he, all of a sudden, in the same way salvation changed him, this expediency of the fullness of the Spirit changed him in beautiful and dynamic and powerful ways. I would submit to you, then since we already have Jesus, 
maybe it's time we have the things that he says we need and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's take turns, if you will, and come and get communion. You can just spread out around here if you want. Go sit in the seat if you need prayer with an elder. And then in just about eight minutes, we'll close in prayer. Jason, would you put some on the other side?